0: This is Zoe Church LA. We're not just fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. Matthew chapter 25, verse number one. Uh, We are concluding, this is the last installment of a series that we've been going through called King and Kingdom. We believe that we are part of the greatest kingdom, the kingdom of God. When Jesus came and he started preaching, he would always talk. He had one message, and that was the message of the kingdom. In fact, when he showed up, he'd say, the kingdom of God is now at hand, literally meaning I am here, so a new kingdom is here. And we believe in the kingdom of God, and we believe that he is the king of this kingdom, We're ecstatic about our king. We're in love with our king. We believe there's no king like our king. As the Bible says, he's the king of all the kings, and he's the Lord of all the lords. Anybody here today believe in Jesus, the king of all the kings? Amen. You can clap if you'd like to, if you like him. I want to finish this series talking about our anticipation of his second coming. I grew up in a church uh, called Foursquare. My dad was a Foursquare pastor, and Foursquare had these four thoughts about Jesus. They'd always preach that Jesus is our, our Savior, He's our healer, He's our baptizer in the Holy Spirit, and He's our soon-incoming King. We just believe that Jesus, the first time He came, He came as a baby in a manger, but the second time He comes, He's coming in a whole different fashion. He's going to come in all of his glory. And in fact, he would always talk to the disciples about being prepared, living a life that is ready for this return. He'd always talk to them about what it looks like to be ready for this second coming. We're going to read Matthew 25, but... So in order to understand it, you got to go back to Matthew 24 to understand really what he's saying. He has just spent the last chapter telling different stories or using people's imaginations to describe what this will be like. So he's talked about Noah in the floods, a wise servant, and he's talked about the, a fig tree, recognizing the signs of, of the times. Use all four stories, the story that we're about to read is the fourth story, to say one truth, and that truth is be ready for this day. Live a life that is prepared for this moment. So this is very important to Jesus. He's told now four stories to describe how crucial this is that we are ready for his coming. Let's read now together here in Matthew 25, 13 verses. If you didn't get your Bible reading in today, you won't get it in right now. Okay. So Matthew 25 says, then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to 10 virgins who another way to say that is just bridesmaids. I know it sounds kind of weird. Bridesmaids who took their lamps and went out to meet the, let's just say groom. They're there to meet the groom. Now, five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, The groom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins who arose and trimmed their lamps and the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered saying, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came and those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I I don't know you. I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour in which the Son of Man is coming. I want to talk about that last bit there and I'll explain it there at the end of the message. But I like that part where he said, I do not know you. What do you mean, Jesus? You don't know us. Jesus is placing such emphasis on how important it is that we live a life that is prepared for the second coming. I want to preach a message today, write down the title. It's called, It Could Happen Today. And no, I'm not talking about baby number four, although I believe it will happen today in Jesus' name after the Super Bowl. But it could happen today. We're going to pray and believe that God will come and speak to us. Come on, let's bow our heads. Jesus, thank you so much. You are so kind and so good and so loving. We ask on a morning like today, open up our eyes so we can see you, open up our ears so we can hear you. Do something unique and profound in these moments and in this setting. We thank you that you are who you say you are and you can do what you said you would do. We trust in you. We look to you and we thank you that you're for us and not against us. We love you so much and God, we're praying together as Angelinos that next year the Rams will win the Super Bowl, the Lakers will win the NBA championship and Los Doyers will win the World Series in Jesus' name, and everybody said together, Amen. "Come on, put your hands together, Angelinos! <laughs> Clap louder than that, even if you don't care. Just believe for our city, people." Um, I, have you ever been in in a situation, situation where you um? Where you felt unprepared, like for a test, a meeting, uh, interaction. Let me see your hand if you've ever been unprepared before. It is the worst feeling in the world to feel unprepared. I don't like, I try and govern my whole life out of preparedness, being ready for moments, being ready for messages, being ready to deliver children. Like I just, I try and live my whole life ready, prepared. The other day I was socially in a situation I was not ready for. I was hanging out with a friend, we were in a social environment and my favorite rapper of all time walked by now this person knows the man so when I saw him I just immediately froze I just just froze and my friend goes up says hi to the person interacts and motions me to come and the person can see I'm being motion but you ever just socially fail you ever just socially freeze? Let me see your hand. Like, I just like the like the the wide open opportunity is there. And I just went, it just, I just shut down. Just like, no, nope, I'm not. <laughs> like afterwards, he was like, bro, what happened? I was like, you saw what happened. Like, just I froze. I was not ready. It reminds me of the first time that we had a child when my baby Georgia was born. Georgia's six now. I'll never forget the first time we had a baby. I was not ready for that moment. We're in the in the room, and and the the Julia's mom and mama. Mom and the sisters all in there. Thank God they were there. And um and it my job was two things. I was in charge of the playlist, call play, and and breathing. Like I'm on the counter, I'm the breather counter. So the, the nurse is like, cues me, this is your, it's your, it's your one job, man. Step up. So start getting her counting. So I was like, all right, here we go. Okay, here we go. So I go, I go one, two nurse looking at me, she's like, hey, if you count that slow, she gonna die. (laughs) Hurry it up, man. I was like, oh my gosh, I wasn't ready. (laughs) I just just was not ready for the moment. want to talk this morning around the idea that Jesus places a premium on living prepared. Staying ready. Staying ready for his return. He's coming back. And he wants us to be prepared. So he's using imagination. He's telling stories about fig trees and wise servants and and ten virgins to explain how important this is to him. He says, listen, don't live as foolish people, live as wise people. The wise people were prepared. The wise people, when the moment came, they lived ready. I want to give you a few things today to write down to encourage you in your faith journey that will help you stay ready for the second coming of our Messiah. Write down number one, we live for the eternal, not the temporary. Like we live in this kingdom, we are now about eternal things and not temporary things. This is contrary to our culture, this is contrary to our society, and this is counter to the devil. The devil always wants to give you today what God wants you to have tomorrow. Our whole culture is about immediate, right now, satisfaction. You need a temporary solution. You need a temporary band-aid. You just need to let your hair down and just get your fix. God doesn't want you to live in the temporary. He wants you to live in the eternal. We live for eternal things, not temporary things. Now, I love that story of, of Jesus in Luke chapter 4. There's a story of Jesus where he has fasted and prayed for 40 days. I'm glad we only do 21. Your boy would not make it to 40. <laughs> He's fasted and prayed for 40 days. And now the enemy has come, Satan has come to tempt him. And what does he do? He tempts him three times with immediate gratification. Bread, power, and influence. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh. Pride of life. Three times he tempts him and three times Jesus combats it by quoting scripture. Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 6 and Deuteronomy 9. Saying to us that if you and I are ever going to overcome temptation, we need something to stand on to do it. So he uses this combat of scripture to basically say, Satan, you've got it twisted. I don't live for the temporary. I'm living for something eternal. I'm a part of something bigger. I'm not, this is Moses. Moses in the Old Testament, remember the story of Moses. If you're not familiar with scripture in Exodus, in the Old Testament, there's a story about this young man named Moses. He's put into a river and Pharaoh's daughter in Egypt, Pharaoh's daughter finds this kid and he gets raised in Pharaoh's courts in Egypt. When he's older, when he's of age, he discovers, I'm not an Egyptian, I'm a Hebrew. He discovers his identity and watch what Moses decides about the passing pleasures of sin. Watch here in Hebrews chapter 12, it says, uh, chapter 11, it says, by faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. In that sin, in a nutshell, it's sin, sin is fun for a while. It's the passing pleasures of the temporary. When we enter in this kingdom, God says, I'll give you the power on how to flourish within this earth. In fact, God doesn't get you saved and take you to heaven. God doesn't give you salvation and says, okay, let's get you out of this evil world, man. Let's get you out of all this crazy culture. No, God says you can be in this world. It's just you're not of this world. In John 17, Jesus taught the disciples how he prayed to the Father about them. He said, when I pray for you, I don't pray that God would take you out of this world. I pray God would teach you how to flourish in this world. Watch here in John 17 as it comes on the screen. It says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, Father, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world just as I am not of the world. I just want to tell you today, you are going to a greater place. This world is not your home. This place has nothing to offer you. I am a citizen of a greater place. In heaven, there will be no more suffering. There will be no more sickness. There will be no more poverty. There will be no more disease. Anybody thankful today that we have the hope of everlasting life? This world is not my home. I'm not a citizen of this planet. I'm going to a greater place. I cannot wait to walk streets of gold. I cannot wait to sit at a banqueting table. I cannot wait to be in the presence of God. Take me now. You know the last thing the Bible says in the book of Revelation? Come quickly, Lord. Paul says, if I have to live here, it's Christ to die is gain. Translation, that place is so much better than this place. This world has nothing to offer me, nothing for. I don't care how good it is and how great. It's temporary in comparison to the eternal. I'm going to a better place. I can't wait to go to live. If I gotta live here. It's for Christ. If I die again, I'm a citizen of someone. I grew up. Uh, my mother is 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 full Mexican. I'm a half Mexican. Any Mexicans in the house here today? Mexicans. That's the quietest Mexican response I've ever heard in my life. I never met a quiet Mexican before. Like we are loud. La like cucaracha. And where my mom grew up, my mom grew up in, in, in Mexicali, Mexico, on the border between Mexicali and Calexico. Calexico's on the California side, Mexicali's on the Mexico side, and my aunts and uncles live in, in both cities. So at nighttime, at my, my Tia Sarabaya's house, <laughs> name drop, at Tia Sadabea's house, we, we would, would decide who's, what cousins are sleeping, what, where, you know. And, and so one night, we're going back to my— Tio Jose Carlos's, and um, these are real people. Stop judging me. And, um, and so we all got into his car, and we're going back, and my Tio Jose Carlos is, is, is training us what to say when you get to the border because I'm with my little brother and my little sister and some cousins. And so he say, hey, for you kids, you, y'all from Seattle. So when he asks you, are you an American citizen? You'd say, yes, I'm an American citizen. And when he asks you where you're from, you say you're from Seattle, Washington. Okay, I'm from Seattle. I'm an American citizen. So the, we pull up to the border thing and my cousin Claudia's in the back. She does this all the time. So we pull up, we roll down the window. The guy, big old is asking us, you know, where we're from and are we American citizens? Yes, American citizen. I'm from Seattle, Washington. And then, and then he looks in the back to my cousin Claudia and he Cla- said, what is your name? Claudia. And where are you from? She goes, Chicago. <laughs> we, he let us through. I was like, out of all the places in America, you said the hardest one for you to pronounce? <laughs> Chicago. Like, say San Diego, homie. Like <laughs> Chicago? Like, what? But I'm telling, ta- I'm, I'm. I'm a citizen of a greater place. I'm not living for temporary things. I wanna be set on eternal things. A lot of times, the reason why we don't do this is because our eyes are fixed on the wrong thing. We're obsessed with self, we're obsessed with comparison. Our eyes are on everything but the right thing. Write down point number two today lift up your eyes. 26 times in the Bible, it says this line, lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes. The Bible says, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? It comes from you, the maker of heaven and earth. The only way you can make it in this life is by keeping your eyes up. That's what I love about church. When you come to church, you can tell the difference of when you walked in to when you walk out. Because when you walked in, your life is on you. Your eyes are on your situation. Your eyes on self. Your eyes on others. You walk out, your eyes are back on God. Now i got to get my eyes up. i got to lift my eyes. A lot of us, God is retraining where we look. I have this friend recently, Julie and I have this friend, she's the sweetest lady in the whole world and she's older and she recently had to go through five eye surgeries to get her eyesight back. So she was telling me when her eyes went bad, she developed this habit where because she couldn't see, she just always looked down at the ground to see where she was going because her eyes were bad. She said, but after five surgeries, they fixed her eyesight and she got it back. She said once she got her eyesight back, she noticed she had developed this habit that now she can see clear, but her eyes are still fixed on the, on the ground. She said, I had to retrain my eyes to lift my head and to look up. I wonder if God's trying to retrain your eyes. I wonder if God's trying to retrain. Come on, you get a kingdom perspective. You get a kingdom view. You get a view of Jesus. Come on, give him some praise today. If you want to be able to lift up your eyes and see Jesus once again. Watch here. Isaiah 51. I love these scriptures right here. Lift up your eyes to the heavens and look at the earth beneath for the heavens vanish like smoke. The earth will wear out like an urban outfitter's garment and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever and my righteousness will never be dismayed. I got to lift my eyes on eternal things, looking beyond what I'm facing right now, looking beyond how I feel. This is the only way Jesus died on the cross. Jesus, it says in Hebrews 12, it says, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set in front of him endured the cross, not despising the shame. In other words, the only way Jesus was able to endure the cross was he didn't get his eyes on nails and he didn't put his eyes on a crown of thorns and he didn't put his eyes on his back. He put his eyes on the joy that was in front of him on the eternal ramification. He said, I'll do it because my eyes are fixed on the right thing, not the wrong thing. You, 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 you will change your whole world if you just get your eyesight right. If you start looking for the right thing. I want to tell you, in life, if you see it, you can have it. If you see it, you can achieve it. The first thing that the devil does is trying to rob your vision. You can't see nothing. See, see, God is not moving. God is not for me. Nobody's with me. I'm all alone. I'm suffering. No, that's the temporary. Get your eyes on eternal things. And so Jesus is, he's using imagination once again to try to explain to us the difference. He's like, listen, I... There's five of them that are wise and five of them that are foolish. And notice the language surrounding the fools. It's not that they're evil. It's just that they've, (laughs) they've fallen asleep. This reminds, reminds me of the garden of Gethsemane. Remember, Jesus is about to die on the cross and he's got his crew with him, his roll dogs. And he's in the garden. He's like, guys, I'm going to go pray. You guys stay here and pray. And Every time he comes back, he's like, you guys fell asleep again? It's like, every time I come back, you're asleep. And he says, what did he say? He says, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. That's true for my life and yours. Our spirit wants to do this, but our flesh gets lulled to sleep. It's the problem of being delayed. When you feel delayed and you're delayed in waiting, hurry up and wait. And these guys fall asleep on the job these five foolish bridesmaids fall asleep and they're just it's amazing to me how boring waiting is how terrible being delayed is in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 Paul the apostle talks about how to combat the the dull of delay he says there's going to be this triumphant entry Jesus is going to come back in all of his glory But the reality is we're going to have to wait for a while. So in order to combat this dull, this falling asleep, this getting so bored and waiting, that we're going to have to do some things to stay active to combat this. In fact, write down number three. Grace empowers you to not get dulled and delay. Jesus, when, when he gets a hold of your life, he activates you. He gives you purpose. He gives you identity. He gives you passion. He, he allows you to stay woke, as the streets say. He, he does something in you so you're not dead man walking. You're not just going through the motions. You're not falling asleep on your marriage. You're not falling asleep on your call of God. You're not falling asleep on your parenting. You're not falling asleep just going through the motions. The Holy Spirit will move in you and comfort you and convict you and lead you and guide you so you're awake on this earth. This is, this is what God does. This is what grace does. He empowers us to not get dulled in the delay. So watch what Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. He says, this is how you combat it. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. Test all things. Hold fast to what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. Paul is saying the way that you'll stay wise and ready when's the groom coming is you got to do some things. I have learned in traveling how to combat delays. You, you ever been delayed in the airport? Let me see your hand. I remember when I when I first started traveling, i get delayed. It would drive me crazy. Now, if my app, if my American Airlines app says delayed or I go to the g- gate and it says hour delayed, I'm like, I'm good because I know how to handle a delay. So I just bust out my phone, Netflix, bust out my laptop, email, got my headphones on, I'm ready to go. I got an hour that's like a gift from God I'm good in the delay. Jesus is saying this is how you handle a delay you you need to do in fact write down the seven things that come on the screens you should the first thing you should do is rejoice always. Just live a life that's rejoicing, that's excited, saying, God is good. God is for me. I'm excited to be alive. Anybody have anything to rejoice about today? Come on, just clap your hands if you got at least one thing to rejoice about. What does it say? It says, rejoice always. It says, pray without ceasing. It, praying allows me to get connected to god again when i pray and i start praying god thank you for today god thank you for my family god thank you for zoe church god thank you for the dream team today god thank you for my city los angeles thank you for everybody that i'm friends with thank you for new roads and new rivers thank you for all of a sudden i'm praying and i'm getting my eyes back up on god rejoice always pray without ceasing in everything give thanks thanks Something about gratitude that gets you ready for what God has for you. You you cannot get prepared for the thing that God has for you with a complaining spirit. Just belly aching before God. God of this, that, and so-and-so, and and this person. No, No, no. But when you want to get ready for God, all of a sudden I thank him for what I have. I thank him for what I can't see yet. I thank him for what he's doing in my life. I thank you that I'm under construction. Come on, put your hands together today. If you can rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and give thanks. You know what would change your life? The attitude of gratitude. I bet you if you started thanking God for the thing you're going through, it would change your whole perspective and your attitude, and it would prepare you on how to ha- properly handle what you're going through right now. Yeah. Just saying, you know what? I'm going to rejoice always. I'm going to pray without ceasing. In everything, I'm going to give thanks. What does he keep on saying? Look up here on the screen. He says, give, don't quench the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Don't quench the Holy Spirit. When I was growing up in church, I used to think we need to have long prayer services. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. But you know what really quenching the Holy Spirit is? It's just having unforgiveness in relationships. Nothing will stop the Holy Spirit working in your life more than a hard heart. Just all of a sudden your relationships go awry and there's issues and You're bitter and you're broken and you're mad and you're angry. All of a sudden, God, you're quenching the Holy Spirit working in your life. He said, don't quench the Holy Spirit. Then what does he say? Test every spirit. Test every spirit. What What is he saying there? He's saying, listen, you might have some prophecies. You might feel some spirits. You, you got you to gotta check and say, is this God that's talking to me or is this just somebody running their mouth? Is this God that's talking to me or is this my mind playing tricks on me? Is it, I got to test the spirit. I got to test to see if this th- is this the voice of Jesus. It, usually when it's Jesus that's talking, it sounds like Jesus. Yeah. Because Jesus said, my sheep will recognize my voice and a stranger's voice they will not follow. So he's saying, test every spirit to make sure it sounds like the Holy Spirit. And when it sounds like God, you will know. So he said, pray all the time and rejoice all the time and in everything, give thanks. And don't quench the Holy Spirit and and test every spirit. And then what does he say? He says, "And, and, and avoid what is evil and cling to what is good. Well, oh, I love this part so much because the Bible says have feet that run away from evil. Like if that thing is wicked or witchcraft or evil, it has anything, to, I'm staying far away. Why? Because we we actually cling to what is good and we reject what is evil. That's how we stay ready for the coming. That's how we stay prepared. That's how we stay a people that's that's ready. I'm not trying to be a fool that fell asleep and got into all this, other, this, that and the other and all of a sudden my life is a mess and I don't know which way is up and I don't know where to look. No, I wanna live a life, I'm staying away from evil and I'm clinging to what is good. Come on, church is good. The Bible is good. Fellowship is good. Worship is good. We cling to these things. I cling to purity. I cling to right relationship. I'm avoiding evil. I cling to what is good. Say these things, if you do them, you will be ready for the Lord's return. Now, this is important because Jesus is so passionate about it. He keeps talking all these illustrations to tell you how important it is that you stay ready. Like, this is not like, okay, once you become Christian, guys, no more fun. We're just now just, we're getting ready, man. You guys ready or not? Don't watch the Super Bowl. We're getting ready, man. Avoid what's evil. It's not even about that. It's the difference of just saying, I have decided in my life that I'm a part of a bigger kingdom. And I don't, I don't want to be found as someone that when he comes back, I was living my life so foolishly. Because like, this world is not my home. I'm going to some, some place that's so much better than this. Paradise, you know. No more tears, no more suffering, no more heartache, no more pain. How tragic would it be to live a foolish life? Did you notice what it says at the end? (laughs) They come knocking on the door. Hey, can we get in? They're texting somebody in the, hey, man, we're at the side door. Can you let us in? The five wise ones like, man, we're doing the YMCA. Y'all stuck out. Like, It's your fault. Jesus comes the door. And what does he say? He goes, I never knew you. This is the second time Jesus has said this. The first time he said it was in Matthew 7. In Matthew 7, these guys come up and they're like, Jesus, remember us? We cast demons out in your name. Healed the sick in your name. Remember us? And Jesus goes, no, I don't. I never knew you. Apart from me. You never did the will of my father. Jesus is emphasizing this for a second time because he is placing another premium and that is on relationship with God. Because when you enter into this kingdom and God knows you, the Bible says in 2 Timothy chapter number 2, verse 18, God knows those who are his. So he's basically saying, if you were really mine, some commentary believe that these foolish people, they've never even had oil in the start. They ne- because when you have oil, it's because you're in a relationship with God and you want to know God and nothing else matters. So he's talking about relationship, not about a shut door. He's saying what I really care about in your life is relationship. I really care about me knowing you and you knowing me and us being together. That is what is most important. And you might be doing some foolish things. We all sin. But when you enter in this kingdom, I promise you, I will accept you because of your sin. Because my son paid the price on the cross to die for your sin. I will not reject you off the fact that we have relationship. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. To get more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.